absolutely loved my wedding dress and he was incredible to work with and his seamstress who was a friend's mum she worked with me closely and it was a really straightforward and beautiful experience with them Welcome to the You and Me podcast. Today we are interviewing real bride Jules Lomez. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. We got off to a rocky start. We've had a few technical issues, so hopefully it runs smoothly. Um, I feel like we say this for 80% of our episodes though. Yes. But you know what? We deliver, so whatever. Yes, we do (laughs) deliver. So a little bit about Jules is we, she used to actually work on Chapel Street, green with envy. So if, you know, you're in your late 20s, kind of going in probably 30s now, actually. Yeah. You might remember green with envy on Chapel Street. And Jules actually worked with Martha from Maths, which is a little interesting fact. So you might remember her face from there. You know, you tend to remember retail staff if you um, tended to go to a boutique quite often. <laughs> so Jules, thank you for joining us and welcome to the You and Me podcast. So we have just given you a little intro into probably what was a snippet of your um, early 20s, <laughs> late mid, late 20s. Let us know or our listeners know a little bit about what you do now. Yeah, sure. So I live in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, I'm 33 uh, and I have a PR agency here with my business partner, Simone, called Lomas Kerr. Um, So we've had that for about three years. And prior to that, I was working uh, at another PR agency. And prior to that, I have always worked in fashion, um, hence Green with Envy in Melbourne, which was 2014 from memory it was a long time ago um so yeah my background is fashion uh however we have a PR agency now that um covers yeah lifestyle FMCG everything really um so we moved back to New Zealand in 2015 but I grew up here Okay, so you did a little stint in Melbourne and then have moved back. And did you start your um, PR agency from Melbourne and move back with it or did you move back and then kind of re, re-get your footing in the, in the market in New Zealand? Yes, that's exactly right. We started it here in New Zealand. So I moved back to New Zealand and worked for another PR agency and then we just decided to go out on our own and create our own little boutique agency which um, is incredible I love working for myself yeah congratulations because it is a really big step from having the reliance of a income and the fallback of a business to work to then go out on your own and back yourself and relearn how to sell yourself which is a huge thing you know it's so well done and it's and it's been obviously successful because you've had it for um, multiple years now and you're still enjoying it and yeah. yeah, we love it. And it just gets busier and busier. It's amazing. And just having that flexibility and working yeah. with you know your friend um, and business partner, it's every day is enjoyable. Um, yeah. It's forever evolving. And it's really challenging. So no, I love it. Oh, amazing. And so how your, how did you meet your partner? Did you meet him in Australia or back home in New Zealand? Yes, I did meet him in Australia in Melbourne. So I 
had moved from Amsterdam where I was living prior to Melbourne um, yeah and I was looking for you know a place to live and had a group of friends over in Melbourne who introduced me to Jeremy and a few other people and they were looking for a flatmate so I the first time I met him was in I think a bar on Richmond Road yeah um, and then the following week we were living together so I have never not lived with Jeremy wow um, yeah which is quite bizarre but also amazing because I got to know him so you know well very quickly so you moved into him obviously as just roommates first or friends first and then everything kind of evolved from there yeah I, I didn't know him he's from oh, okay. New Zealand and I've oh, been wow. living in Auckland so yeah. um I had never met him before uh I had never even heard of him through friends of friends so yeah it was yeah we basically met the you know the day we moved in together and became really good friends um we're both pretty similar people very social and in Melbourne the the time we were living in Melbourne was you know early, early 20s or mid 20s and we were very social and really enjoying going out and meeting new people and him and I were pretty similar like that so we really yeah. bonded um and yeah so that's how we met oh that's crazy I find it so unreal like it's totally fate that brings you together but you can be anywhere across the globe and it's so crazy how many people you talk to that end up with partners that like you guys have are both from New Zealand but are living didn't know each other and living in Australia and met um my husband's brother moved to Canada and is dating and has been for like eight years a girl from Melbourne who literally lived like 20 meters uh, minutes away from where you know we grew up and I'm like oh my god you can travel across the world yet mm -hmm. still end up meeting somebody from home which always I don't know it always blows my mind a little bit I think that's fate yeah and I think it's it's a bit of an Australian and Kiwi thing right we gravitate towards each other and we tend to totally. find people overseas yeah totally yeah, absolutely. And so, okay, so you were working in Melbourne in um, fashion and Jeremy, what was he doing with himself? He was working at an ad agency over there. Okay. Um, so we were both very busy. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, after we met and started living together, we, as I said, formed a really strong friendship, um, which quickly evolved into something more that no one in our flat knew about. Well, we, <laughs> we thought they didn't. They did. So we, they uh, definitely did. They absolutely <laughs> knew. So we thought we had a bit of a secret <laughs> romance for about, oh, about a year, actually, because we didn't get together until the end of 2013. And I moved there at the beginning of 2013. Oh. So, um, yeah, we had a, you know, built our friendship which then evolved into a relationship over the course of the year before um, making it official but it was quite funny because when we did announce it to our flatmates they were like we knew the whole time <laughs> <laughs> you weren't exactly very um yeah secret discreet about it secretive about it that's classic okay and so were you were you did you guys stay in Melbourne did he propose in Melbourne or did you were you home by that stage yeah, no, we moved home um, in 2015. So, um, yeah, 
continued to live there for a little while and then decided mm -hmm. to make the move back as a lot of Kiwis do. Yeah. Um, and we, Jeremy didn't propose until 2020, so August in 2020. So we were back five years before he proposed. Okay. All right. And what, um, what made you guys move back? Did you just kind of, was your time up in Melbourne a little bit? Uh, yeah, I think it had been a time in our lives where we, we weren't quite ready to move home to New Zealand. You know, it's a smaller place and we, we wanted to experience the world and it was a good stepping stone from Europe. Jeremy yep. had been living in Europe prior to Melbourne as well. Okay. So um, the plan was always to be back, you know, in our homeland and close to our family and friends. So, yeah, the time just came that we were ready to, I guess, settle down a yeah. bit more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah move um, home. And then so 2020, that was the year that everybody kind of wants to forget for a lot of reasons, but it's pretty memorable for you guys. So let us know like a, a little bit about, okay, how, what did it come as a surprise when he proposed? Because, you know, that, that when you're together with somebody for so long, surprises are not always easy to come by. Um, I actually just made a mistake. It was 2019 oh. that he proposed. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. So you've been together for so long, it all blends into one. <laughs> I know. It really does. I it does. With yeah. My, my husband proposed to me after eight years and like that was a long time. We got married after 10 and I still to this day muck up our wedding year. Like I always say it was 2012 and it wasn't. It was 2013. Well, I'll, always. I'll, I'll, and I'll never forget mine. Don't correct me now. 2020. Yes, 2020. Never will forget. Nah, I know. <laughs> and Nathan proposed on New Year's Eve and I feel like it was because he forgets so much shit that he did it on a date that he's like, I'm never going to forget this. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Yeah, it's too easy for him. Anyway, back to you. How, how did it all go down? 2019. Okay. The year before everything else. <laughs> um, so we were down in Wanaka. Uh, yep. which is beautiful. close to Queenstown. Yeah, a beautiful mm -hmm. part of New Zealand. We go there every year for our ski trip. Um, and it was the last day of our ski trip and we had gone up to Treble Cone early in the morning, which is one of the ski fields with our friend Thomas, who is one of Jeremy's best friends. Um, we had been skiing with him over the week. And we... Jeremy and I took, took off at the top for a run and Thomas had gone off piece and said we'd meet up, you know, in, a, in an hour or so. Um, and so I think it was on the second run down, Jeremy and I were skiing and we got to a part of the mountain where there's the most spectacular view over Wanaka um, and Lake Wanaka and the mountains all around you. And... Jeremy had stopped and I was coming down and he was calling me over. And so I stopped and he was like, come over here, come over here. So I was awkwardly trying to like sidestep my skis yeah. towards him. He was like <laughs> on, you know, on the side of the mountain, there's like a cliff face <laughs> beside him. So I'm trying not to fall over and get a bit closer and then suddenly realize that he's out of his skis and just standing there in his boots. And at that point I was, like oh my gosh what's happening <laughs> um and he kept saying you know come closer come closer 
And so I hopped out of my skis and got closer. And as I did, I realized that he was, um, had got down on one knee, but couldn't really see because the snow was like- snow was so to, deep. You know, his, his thighs. Um, and then, yeah, he asked me to marry him there on the top oh. of the mountain, which was insane. That's insane. But do you know what? He's used the best of New Zealand to capture that moment, right? Like if you're going to do it, that's that's kind of where in New Zealand I would imagine that mm. would be so beautiful and really fitting. Obviously, you both ski and it means something to you guys on the mountain and where you were and what you were doing. So exactly. it's, it's such a special spot for us. Um, I already was, you know, our special place in New Zealand. Um, the cool thing was that Thomas hadn't actually been off piece. He had been finding the spot that Jeremy had asked him to plant a bottle of champagne. So once, oh, cool. you know, we had kind of, I had said yes and we had sat down and were enjoying the moment. He, you know, pulled out a bottle of champagne from the snow that he had planted. <laughs> so good. Something I've prepared oh earlier. Oh, that's yeah, cool. so lovely. And then just had a glass of bubbles there, like looking at the view, taking it all in. So it was oh, that's unreal. unreal. It still makes me like shake thinking about it now because it was just so out of the blue and so spectacular. That's so good. It's, I I don't know, proposal stories get me every single time I listen to them. It's just like when they're done without the fanfare and more in a meaningful sense that kind of encapsulates both of you rather than... um, you know, making a production out of it. It's so special because it's super memorable and you're together for a long time and it's hard to keep secrets and you get really sus on them. Sometimes like that's not you or if we went out to this restaurant or went ballooning, you might be like, well, that's, you know, yeah, cool, but mm, this is not kind of something we'd ever spoken about before and really wanted on our bucket list to do. So, you know, him being able to make that work and, and, you know, still surprised you is really special. So because because Wanaka's got a, you know a, a um a special place in your hearts, was it considered for your wedding day? Is that kind of did you automatically say you know what this we this is the spot we we want to stay here and find somewhere close here to to get married? Um, I think when we first started looking at wedding venues, we did kind of ponder on. Wanaka, but not that much. Um, mm-hmm. I had always wanted to do something quite different for our wedding day. And we both love Europe and one place in particular, Copenhagen, where Jeremy used to live and we had been on holiday. I think it was 2017 or 18. I can't quite remember. Um, so we decided on Copenhagen um, and prior to the wedding that did happen in Queenstown, we had planned a whole wedding for a restaurant in Copenhagen. Okay. Um, that got cancelled. <laughs> yeah. Because going back to 2020, that was, <laughs> that was, that changed so many things for so many people. So you'd got how far down the process, basically the entire way with majority of your bookings and then it became realistic that it wouldn't happen and you had to shift your entire mindset um from you know an easily thought of place that meant something really special to then finding something at home and how did you go about that did you just start again from scratch or did you enlist the help of a planner someone on the ground here to try and take the pressure off you guys how did you kind of go about it um no I 
I planned I planned both weddings um, myself, but yes, um, to answer your question, the Copenhagen wedding had been fully paid for, booked everything, um, the honeymoon, all of our flights. So um, we were booked to get married July 2020. Um, and we went into lockdown in New Zealand in March from memory. Yeah. Um, and things did open back up by July, but you know, we weren't going to get there. Flights weren't going and it was, there was a huge risk. So we were really lucky when we canceled all of our bookings that we were able to get, you know, 90% of everything back. Oh, that's incredible. Um, yeah, they were really yeah. understanding, obviously flying all the way from New Zealand. They knew we weren't going to make it. <laughs> there was yeah. no chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with the second wedding, I, no, I didn't enlist anyone to help me. It was a bit of a journey getting to, getting to find, you know, the venue that we wanted. I really wanted it to be a reflection of the original wedding, um, something a bit more intimate um, and reflective of, you know, that Scandinavian style that we love yeah. so much and all about the food and wine. So um, we moved it to November. Um, what are we in now? 2021, November 2020. Yep. Um, yes. And... Yeah, planned it all myself with the help of my bridesmaids, of course, um, and family. But it was pretty straightforward. It was a restaurant wedding. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of it was done by iCarts where we got married. Um, yeah. Okay, beautiful. And so, obviously, your supplier list would have been incredibly different unless you were flying them over from Australia or New Zealand to Copenhagen did you run into any issues having to replan your wedding in New Zealand with any suppliers booking out or were you quite open or fluid with who you were going to choose to help you create your wedding day yeah I was pretty open to yeah be just booking who we could for the wedding day there were a few non-negotiables. I really wanted to have Holly Burgess um, do our photography, who is someone I know and had previously worked with in fashion here. Yes. So um, I understood her aesthetic and um, she understood mine. Yep. So I was able to book her. Um, and then just the venue was the one thing that I wanted to ensure was something that reflected that previous um yeah, wedding vision that we had for Copenhagen and Eichhardt's was the place that we found down in Queenstown. Beautiful. And so with your venue, you just mentioned before that a lot of obviously going through a venue and going through a restaurant or a hotelier, it, it's, you've got the space, you've got the staffing, you've got bathrooms, you've got food, you've got beverage, you take a lot of, you know, what you need to get married out of having to have multiple options to choose from, which is really good. With um, the rest of your suppliers, and I suppose my biggest question, one of the ones we always love to know the process of with brides, had you planned your wedding dress? Did you wear the same dress that you were going to wear in Copenhagen? Well, the one thing I hadn't locked in for Copenhagen was the wedding oh, dress. Oh, was the dress. Okay. So then you would have had, what, six months to turn around your dress? Yes. Okay. How did you go about that process? Um, I 
Because you had you had two, didn't you? You had a ceremony dress and a reception dress. If I'm if yep. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. great. They were both designed by New Zealand designers, so I knew I wanted to work with someone local, and obviously yep. with the, with the time frame had to. Mm-hmm. Um, I had tried on a few dresses at boutiques here, but meanwhile, knowing that I wasn't actually going to purchase off the rack, as yep. don't I'd never seen a wedding dress that I loved. I have never kind of dreamt of my wedding dress or my wedding day. I I wanted something modern that reflected my own personal style. Yeah. With, you know, an element of difference, which I guess was the cuff that I ended up, yeah, wearing over top of my sleeve. Okay. Yeah. So I enlisted Wynne Hamlin, who is a designer here in New Zealand. And he created my wedding dress. Um, I had put together the mood board and knew exactly what I wanted in terms of the cut and the fit. It was it was pretty straightforward design. I wanted something classic, modern, something that I would look back on in years to come and, and still love. Um, originally, in my mind, I wanted something a little bit more androgynous and I guess on trend, but my bridesmaids quickly um, made me realize that probably wasn't the best idea. Um, yeah. So no, I absolutely loved my wedding dress and he was incredible to work with and his seamstress, who was a friend's mum, she worked with me closely and it was a really straightforward and beautiful experience with them. Oh, that's so good because it's amazing. It can really, um, it can make or break the process, your wedding dress experience, I think. And, you know, you want to be able to go into this. It's, it's a really big moment. There's going to be a lot of eyes on you. Um, you want to feel really comfortable, really secure, feel as if it's just, it was made exactly for you. So sometimes you hear stories of people having not as great experiences and it kind of throws the whole um outlook I think for them so did did who made your ceremony dress did they make your well your wedding dress did they make your reception or party dress as well because you did have a long sleeved full length option and you did have a cute little party frock yeah so I changed into the dancing dress um just before we did our first dance, which and that was designed by Harris Tapper, who is another New Zealand designer, um, Lauren and Sarah Harris here, who I know um, I had actually ordered a top from them that was a the same cut as the dress. So the dress was an extended version of that top in oh, a cool. white organza. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty different for me I can't say I've worn a short dress in about 10 years and yeah. it's quite a feminine look and I'm I don't tend to dress that femininely I guess yeah yeah okay um, yep but I I loved it and I wanted to do something out of my comfort zone and it, it was such a great feeling like taking my hair out and putting on the dress and changing the earrings and walking out and almost taking on another persona yeah and I gave confidence to like take on the first dance which I was so <laughs> nervous about <laughs> <laughs> it is it's like an alter ego 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Although, you know, when I when I got the dress, it's like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? This isn't me. It was actually the best. That I yeah. Oh, that's so, that's, that's really cool because it is, I think it just, and, you know, potentially being in a restaurant as well, it kind of separates the formalities of a wedding and brings in the celebration elements of a wedding, which, you know, is two really distinct different times within your day um did you tell us a little bit about your wedding day so was it um close to where you guys could sort of stay at home or around and get ready or was it a destination for you both and your family yeah so we live in Auckland so it was a destination wedding um we had hired a house in Jack's Point down in Queenstown which is beautiful stunning yeah um so yeah it was all of my bridesmaids and their partners stayed in Jack's Point and then Jeremy and his groomsmen and their partners stayed in Queenstown. So on the wedding day, um, I woke up, went for a walk, FaceTime my dad, who wasn't able to be there at my wedding, sadly, um, as he lives in Australia, so he wasn't able okay. to travel. Yeah. Um, and yeah, started the day just, you know, pretty relaxed and having pretty emotional conversation with him which set the tone for the day which um was actually really beautiful it was a pretty emotional wedding and I guess it it stemmed from it being such a hard year for everyone and seeing each other you know for a long time and not having a celebration so yeah it was um yeah it was reflective of the whole day I think that tone um so we the girls and I all got ready in Jack's point. Um, My sister was the makeup artist um, and she was incredible and it was so nice having her do my makeup. Mm, That's so nice and handy. We love family with benefits. (laughs) Yeah Um, and my mum was there getting ready with us Um, and after that my family arrived to see me kind of walk out in my dress and that was a really beautiful moment. And then we drove further down um, into Jack's Point to a field which has the Remarkables, which are the you know mountain range in the background. Yeah. And I met Jeremy there for our first look. Which oh, was- so you did a first look. I am all for the first look. Are, are you? You've got no regrets doing it. Absolutely nah, not. Yeah. I always knew I wanted to do a first look because. I didn't want to take the time out from the reception to go yeah. off and have our photos. I wanted to, we wanted to be there with everyone. And I guess yep. it being a restaurant, um, you know, and I get, there weren't many other places for people to mingle and I guess, you know, leave and break up the evening. Yeah. So yeah. we thought it was really important for us to be there. Um, and do you know what, that, that mingling time straight after the ceremony or when you get back there at the very beginning of your reception, that is so much fun. And, you know, you have your first few, few cocktails, okay, few drinks. Okay, maybe one. <laughs> Let's not get too excited. But, you know, you have your first few drinks and you've got this incredible high and so, so many people actually miss that moment. That's definitely one thing that I, um, I regret. We didn't do a first look when I got married and I was talked out of it a bit and, yeah, I do regret that. So, because that is that is fun. Everybody is on this amazing high that you guys got married, and you miss out on that. 
I know. Yes, it mm. is that moment where everyone is just so filled with emotion wants to come up to you and yeah. have a chat and congratulate you. And I guess having to run off so quickly, you'd, you'd feel a bit like, oh, you know, oh, I wasn't yeah. able to kind of give everyone a hug or yeah, um, those really special moments. And it does kind of, I suppose, reduce the, um, the view of, it being such a formal event as well. You know, when the bride and groom or groom and groom or bride and bride go, when the couple goes and then comes back and then starts speeches and then starts dances and all this, there's there's a big, you know, there's a traditional wedding kind of timeline that I suppose gets stuck into how the, the rest of the night flows and being able to go away just, um, you know, you and Jeremy at different points of the day or beforehand or at sunset um, it, it, you know, makes for a bit more of a relaxed setting, which I suppose would be more fitting to where you got married as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a more relaxed vibe, um, even though it was in a beautiful restaurant. It was, I just wanted it to feel like a big dinner party. Yeah, so. it looked really opulent. Like some of the photos that um, you've got on your Instagram page, because we always stalk our brides, not in a creepy way, but sort of in a creepy way. Um, before, before you know, we talk to you so that we can get a really good idea, a vibe of how your day went before we hear your, you, you know, your view. Um, some of those photos were just amazing, and you know what? It, Copenhagen or <laughs> New Zealand's it's yeah it's it's you you don't know a lay person will not know where it where you got married so you did kind of carry on that you know feeling of where you would have been in an inner city restaurant it was it was really beautiful because it was um at a restaurant did you your formalities and the way that your day ran did you have any curfews or anything that kind of stopped that party or celebration aspect or were you able to really enjoy it yeah so we it finished up at about 12 um and Jeremy and I were actually staying upstairs because Icarts has a hotel upstairs yeah so we were just able to wander upstairs and then you know head off whenever we wanted to and it was actually really amazing because we could duck out at moments during the night and just you know sit there and have a glass of bubbles together and just you know, take it all in and just yeah. relay what just happened or whatever it may be. So yeah. um, I loved staying on site. Um, but no, in terms of the curfew, finished up at 12, which is, I guess, pretty typical of a wedding. Um, yeah, and being in a city restaurant, I think that some of our guests kicked on and <laughs> went to some bars around in the area. But um, no, it was it was great for us. We just... Yeah, walked upstairs and and that was it. That was the night. That's nice. And so, were there any any? I mean, it seems it's it's a hard question that we ask couples because a lot of um, people that we've interviewed recently have kind of had COVID that they've had to contend with with their wedding day. And um, you know, you mentioned earlier that your dad couldn't make it from Australia, which is just it's heartbreaking. It's really hard to hear because, you know, there's some pretty incredible moments that so many people last year really, you know, they really deserved and couldn't have. But with the way that your wedding day ran, was there anything that kind of was a near disaster or near miss throughout the day? Or did you kind of just go into it open-minded and even if there was stuff, it, it didn't matter? 
I think that there was definitely an element of me being super open-minded by the time our wedding rolled around, just with Copenhagen being cancelled. I just had to let everything go and just go yeah. with the flow. It was, you know, as everyone did during COVID and we still, I guess, are. Yeah. Um, but yeah. in terms of, there were no disasters on the day. The day was absolutely perfect. It blew my expectations out of the water and I wouldn't change a thing. Um, the only little hiccup we had was our celebrant, um, Sam, who is one of Jeremy's best and oldest friends. He had flown over from Barcelona and he was in quarantine too, um, which was so special. And he married us on the day. However, oh, wow. the night before we flew from Auckland to Queenstown, we got a call from him. And there had been a little bit of a hiccup in quarantine and um, oh, he'll hate me saying this, but he left his room um, when he wasn't meant to and he was told by staff that he might have to stay in for another 48 hours, <gasps> which oh. would have meant he would have missed our wedding. Um, so that the night before flying to Queenstown was a bit of a, oh my gosh, okay, <laughs> no, this, this is fine, this is fine, we can do this. Oh no. <laughs> so we quickly called another friend and who was coming to the wedding who's a celebrant and said, if Sam can't make it, do you mind marrying us? Oh wow. <laughs> and, and she was like, Yeah, of course. No stress. Oh, so, how how lucky um, is that? Did he I get know. did he get out? He did get out. Okay, all right. Honestly, it was pretty comical. Lucky. I was like, what else can go wrong? <laughs> I know, because that's a pretty big thing. Like, you know, legally binding yes. <laughs> ceremony is pretty important when you get married. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So, he, but he made he made it out of quarantine. Cutting it fine with a little hiccup, but he got there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, he got good. there at the end. And, you know, when he arrived, it was just like this incredible embrace of, oh my gosh, you finally made it here. You know, he traveled, traveled so far and then, you know, he was so stressed and so upset. Oh, when yeah, he poor bugger. So, yeah, but it was that incredible. Oh, that's so good. And Julie, we always finish on the same question. What piece of advice now that you are married can you offer the listeners that are potentially uh, hoping to get engaged or are in the process of getting married, what what's your best piece of advice that you've learned in this process? Um, I think try and enjoy the planning process as much as you can. I found that personally really difficult, which is probably due to the course of events um, and being a little bit scared of what may happen. And I know that, you know, brides now will be feeling the same thing, just having that fear of what, you know, what could go wrong. Um, and ensuring that with any deposits you pay, et cetera, that you're covered if things do change. Um, but yeah, just enjoy that as much as possible. It's really easy to get caught up in all of the details, you know, having everything picture perfect, at the end of the day, guests really don't, you know, see all of the little things that might be out of place. All they see is you and it's only about you marrying the person that you love. Um, uh. You'll remember the memories, you won't remember the things, you know? Yeah, 
That's it. That's beautiful. Well, Julia, thank you so much for joining us on the You and Me podcast. It was um, it was really, really nice to hear about your day and we can't re- wait to release your episode because there's some incredible photos now that I think brides um, and grooms are considering, you know, not so typical wedding venues because there are, is overbookings and they need to kind of uh, relook at their process and a lot, a look, especially in Victoria, a lot of my couples are dealing with now restaurant weddings so um, heaps of inspiration to come um, our way from your wedding and how to do it properly. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the You and Me podcast. If you're after any of the suppliers mentioned in today's episode, you can head on over to our Instagram page at the You and Me podcast and jump into our episode release where we've tagged all these incredible suppliers featured in this interview. If you're a bride or groom and would like to chat to us about having your wedding featured on the You and Me podcast, you can send us a submission DM to our Instagram page at the You and Me podcast titled Real Couple Submission or message us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash the You and Me podcast. Leaving reviews, rating the episodes, sharing the love with all your loves and subscribing to our podcast really helps us to continue producing the amazing content designed just for you. So don't be shy. You can also follow our ordinary lives with Andy over at The Bridal Journey and Laura at Wonderlust Creative. Thanks for joining.